the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. FM. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock this morning. It's a Tuesday, the second morning. This is important. The second morning of the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2019. It is very important that you understand that. It is the second morning of of the month of April. Because it's this day that you should be paying attention to when I discuss my plans or lack thereof, for Congress. Yes, I am telling you on this second morning of April that I am not running for Congress. If you heard something contrary to that yesterday, please understand you heard that on the first morning of April. Technically, the first evening of April in the year of our Lord 2019. That was fun. i got to tell you, I started the show yesterday... Telling you to insert your April Fool's jokes here because I have none to offer. It's too busy. I had too many important things to discuss yesterday with respect to the crisis at our southern border and beyond. And uh, so I wasn't in the mood to do April Fool's jokes yesterday. But the mood changed. (laughs) The mood changed considerably yesterday late evening when I decided, what the heck? And uh, I went ahead to my Facebook page. I didn't do it on Twitter. I did it on two Facebook pages, my France radio page that I always encourage you to like and follow. And I also did it on my personal page where I have 5,000 other people uh, who uh, I interact with. And I put on the page yesterday, again, on the first day of April. I wanted to announce on the air, but it had already leaked to multiple websites. So I have no choice. I have filed the paperwork. I am running for Congress. The hilarious part of the response to that yesterday evening was that despite the fact that probably 
50 to 60, maybe as high as 70% of the respondents automatically knew that it was the first day of April and went on the comment section and made that clear is the number of other people who either did not read those comments or just ignored them and said, oh, my God, where do I send a campaign check? (laughs) I will volunteer for you. I will knock on doors. I will vote for you. I will move to Ohio into your district just to vote for you. And I have to tell you that I was not doing this for backpats. I was not doing this for ego stroking. I really was not. I was doing it to have fun. It was April Fool's Day. But I will tell you, it did feel very, very nice to have so many people uh, be enthusiastically supportive of the idea of me running for Congress. Um, It really does. I mean, there were some nice people who said some very nice things. But as I put on the uh, Facebook page this morning, um, while most of y'all knew what the date was on Monday, the rest of you really need to buy a calendar. Hope you had a fun and silly holiday. <laughs> Even though it's not a holiday in terms of like a day off, it's what we call a holiday. So, uh, yeah, had a little fun yesterday. Uh, on April 1st, if I tell you I'm running for Congress, you should probably know that on April 2nd, I'm going to clarify and tell you, nope, I'm not running for Congress, but April Fool's, that was fun. So uh just wanted to clear that up right out of the gate. And uh, from that point forward, we have a lot of work to do. Coming up in about less than a half an hour now, my friend Rob Walgate from the AP Roundtable is going to be joining us in the Public Square Radio Network. He's going to be joining us to talk about what a great idea it is. Isn't this super? Isn't this just great thinking, seriously? For the people of Los Angeles, New York City, San Francisco, and Chicago, which are and probably Philadelphia. Those are the four or five largest cities, the most massive populations in America, right? What do they all have in common? They're all wildly liberal, wildly blue, progressive, democratic, whatever you want to call it. And this brilliant idea that Rob and I are going to talk about is to allow them the people of Los Angeles and New York, to decide who would make the best president for the people of Ohio, despite what the people of Ohio may think. That's not a joke. This this was submitted yesterday. A proposal was submitted, a constitutional amendment in our state that would award this state's electoral votes. This would not abolish the Electoral College, but it would say that our electoral votes would automatically have to go to the winner of the national popular vote. (laughs) So, as you know, the cities of Chicago and, as I said, L.A. and, and, and New York, which very easily tipped the balance of national popular votes in uh, to the Democrats in our wildly divided time right now, um, they would, of course, I mean, it's, it's highly likely that President Trump is going to lose another popular vote to a Democratic candidate, no matter how bad that candidate might be. I mean, after all, candidates don't get much worse than Hillary Clinton, do they? And I mean that literally. She's about the worst candidate that they could have run probably the only candidate that they could have run that Donald Trump could have beaten. Let's be honest about that. She was so bad. She was also so lazy, not going to uh, various uh, important swing states, 
taking for granted the votes of people of Michigan and Pennsylvania and, and Wisconsin and others. But anyway, um, it, it doesn't matter who they run this time around. Chances are very good that the liberal progressives in the huge, massive uh, populations of the uh, coasts, particularly L.A. and New York, they're going, their votes, I mean, how many people live in L.A.? Six, six million, six and a half million. How many people live in New York? About seven and a half million. I mean, think about that. Those populations alone in such massive numbers going for the Democrat candidate are going to take what could be in, in, in otherwise relatively equal election and give the popular vote to the Democrat candidate. So what this proposal in the state of Ohio would be is whatever they say by way of the national popular vote, Ohio's votes will be invalidated. If Ohio goes red for Trump, but the people of L.A., Chicago, and New York go blue for whoever, Robert Francis or Corey or Kamala or, or Elizabeth, Hiawatha, whatever. No matter who, they, if they go for the Democrats, who Ohio's votes have to go toward then, no matter what the people of Ohio say. What do you think of that? Good idea, right? In other words, your vote does not count. Your vote does not matter. A summary of the proposed amendment was certified by Attorney General Dave Yost yesterday as a, quote, fair and truthful statement of the proposed law. Although Yost, of course, did not weigh in on whether or not he supported it, and one would imagine he absolutely does not. That's not his job to say. But the proposal was certified as a fair and truthful statement of the proposed law. That's it. So... In other words, it, it is accurate on what it wants to accomplish. What it wants to accomplish, of course, is to destroy the rights of Ohioans to decide uh, who should be the best president, who should be the president of the United States, and would best serve the needs of the people of Ohio. So Rob Walgate is going to be all over that coming up at about nine thirty-five, and of course at ten oh five, you know what day it is? It's Tuesday. Tuesday is of course Cursinow Day, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to Pete about a wide variety of issues, including the ongoing problem at the southern border, and also we haven't talked to Pete for a bit since the Mueller report came out. We talked a little bit about it, a bit about it last week, but there are a lot more development uh, developments now as the Democrats begin the subpoena process of trying to get Trump administration officials and campaign officials hauled before various committees, judiciary committees, and oversight committees, and intelligence committees, and so on and so forth. Um, what we need to talk about, though, right now is um, the Mueller report and its uh, and its uh, uh, public release, or more specifically, its congressional release. Democrats are livid because they wanted that report by today. Where is the report? They said we need this by today. And of course, Attorney General William Barr said, "You'll get it when I give it to you." Um, I promise you that's kind of what he said. House Judiciary Committee Democrats are not expected to get a copy of the special counsel's report by the end of the day. This is the deadline set by several House Democratic leaders for the Attorney General to hand over the full report. Instead, Attorney General William Barr told lawmakers he should have a redacted version ready by the middle of this month. Tomorrow, the House Judiciary Committee is expected to authorize subpoenas to compel the report's release. So they're not happy with getting it around the middle of the month, around April 15th. They want it now! And they're also demanding that they get it unredacted. Every word should be given to us so that we can comb through every word, every phrase, every sentence, every paragraph and find proof 
that Bob Mueller did find collusion and just doesn't know it. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They want every word so that they can say, see, this is collusion. We don't know why Bill Barr, the attorney general, said that Bob Mueller found no collusion. Look, it's right here. That's what they want. They want it unredacted, despite the Democrat Party's atrocious, repugnant record, particularly in recent months and years, of leaking everything they can to hurt Donald Trump to the media. They want unredacted copies of the Mueller report on each of their desks. Yeah, that's a great way to keep classified information classified. Give it to a Democrat. Give it to a pod. If you give the pods anything, you know it's going to be leaked to the New York Times, to CNN, or any one of their other willing acolytes. Pod, of course, being party of death. Do not give them anything unredacted. Now, for confirmation or for support of that point of view about not giving the Democrats anything that is unredacted, let's turn to a Democrat, Gerald Nadler. Wait, what? Yes, Jerry Nadler, who is the loudest voice screaming for an unredacted Mueller report to be given to Congress, and especially committee chairs, of which Gerald Nadler is one. Gerald Nadler wants um, the Mueller report unredacted released to him. And 21 years ago, in 1998, when the Ken Starr report was released, And the Ken Starr report was going to find some really, really bad things about President Bill Clinton and his willingness to lie to the American people about his Oval Office affairs, and perhaps worse. Gerald Nadler had a different point of view. You can't release a special counsel's report unredacted? Are you kidding? This is a terrible idea. If you don't believe me, just listen to Gerald Nadler, who said this on the Charlie Rose show in uh, September of 1998. Now, Mr. Starr, in his transmitting uh, transmittal letter to the speaker and the minority leader, made it clear that much of this material is Federal Rule 6E material, that is material that by law, uh, unless contravened by a vote of the House, must be kept secret. It's grand jury material. Uh, it represents... Um, 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 uh, statements which may or may not be true by various witnesses, uh, salacious material, all kinds of material that it would be unfair to release. So I assume what's going to have to happen before anything else happens is that somebody, uh, the staff of the Judiciary Committee, perhaps the, um, the, the chairman and ranking minority members of the Judiciary Committee, is going to have to go over this material, at least the four or five hundred pages in the report, uh, to determine what is fit um, for release and what is, as a matter of, of, of decency and protecting people's privacy rights, uh, people who may be totally innocent, third parties, uh, what must uh, not be released at all. So there he is, and, and, and his name is, is actually Gerald, not hypocrisy, but, but, but you know, okay. Uh, Representative Hypocrisy Nadler, I mean Gerald Nadler, in 1998, said, oh, there might be a lot of private information there, compromising information that might be uh, might put uh, witnesses and others in jeopardy. And we can't have that released. We're going to have to go through this and, and redact all of the important testimony, especially when we're talking about grand jury testimony that might be true or it might not be true. And it might be salacious. 
And it might compromise certain individuals, and we can't go releasing that sort of thing. He was against releasing everything that Ken Starr found on Bill Clinton. Now, here we are 21 years later, he is fully supportive of and, in fact, demanding a full unredacted release of the Mueller report that uh, targeted Donald Trump. Of course, he doesn't like the fact that the advance warning from the uh, Attorney General, Bill Barr, said uh, it uh, clears Donald Trump. Much more coming up. It's 921, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty six now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, and it's just galling when you hear people like that. Uh, hypocritical Democrats, hypocrisy, Nadler. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, you know, twenty one years ago, oh, you can't release that report. Oh my goodness! I mean, there's stuff in there that's grand jury testimony, or may or may not be true. It hasn't been proven. We don't know. We can't release that. We have to redact all of that. We have to go through all of that with a fine tooth comb and redact it all. Twenty one years later, oh no, 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 we're not redacting anything. Matter of fact, we want to go through every word with a fine-tooth comb to find out what we can use to embarrass the president. After all, this was a let's-get-the-president investigation, was it not? And the answer, of course, is yes, it was. That is precisely what they were going for, and they have absolutely no shame whatsoever in, uh, in trying to accomplish that. All right, now, speaking of no shame... I I have not talked about this in several days. Late last week when it first kind of started breaking, the accusations against Joe Biden about uh, unwanted touching and hair sniffing and all kinds of other really odd public behavior from Joe Biden, former vice president, and of course potential Democratic frontrunner for president. I've stayed away from it because I find it, quite frankly, weird. Um, It's weird. And and it's and it's odd, and it's and it may be um, it may be uh, offensive to to women who are you know being grabbed around the shoulders by Joe Biden as he stands behind them in photo ops or in meetings or whatever, and then he puts his hands on their shoulders and he whispers into their ears or he smells the back of their head and and then maybe even give them a little peck on the back of their head or whatever. I just it's weird. Is it sexual assault? Is it sexual harassment? I don't know. That's why I didn't really even talk about it. I don't want to. But I did see a story today that made me feel like, okay, we can at least ask this question. It's in The Federalist. Um, Is Joe Biden's habit of weirdly touching women wrong, disqualifying, or both? And it's a question worth asking, and I'll take your phone calls on it as the morning goes on. I do have guests coming again, Rob Walgate in a few minutes, Peter Kirsten at the top of hour two. But um, but I would be interested in your thoughts, and if you can't get through it, 216-901-0945. You can also uh, tweet or Facebook to me at uh, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Um, is it is it just weird? Is it disqualifying, or is it both? Because I'm going to tell you something. He's a weird dude. He does affectionately, you know, he's a hands-on guy. 
Um, and hands-on is, particularly in 2019, I guess something you're not supposed to be, and you should not be, and you certainly shouldn't do it to somebody who has expressed a uh, dissatisfaction with that. In other words, no unwanted touching. But it's not like, to my understanding anyway, at least thus far, even with his accusers, he's not grabbing their butts. He's not fondling them in some sort of lewd way. He's just in a weird, affectionate way that may be more father-daughter type of, you know, I'm proud of you, hands on the shoulder, a kiss to the back of the head, father-daughter type of thing, uh, or, or I, I don't know, you know, some sort of a familial type of, of, uh, of embrace to him. It's weird. It is. Is it disqualifying from running for office? I don't think so. Let him run. Let the people decide if they feel like Weird Uncle Joe should not be President Weird Uncle Joe. Let them decide. I don't think it's a disqualifying thing. I think it's weird. I think it's odd. <clears throat> and maybe if he was coming up behind me and grabbing my shoulders and, and giving me a, a uh, an inhale in the back of my head before giving me a little peck on the on the cheek or on the, on the hair, maybe I would feel differently. I don't know, but... Um, I don't think it's disqualifying, at least at this point. There's a great article in The Federalist. I'm going to tweet it during the bottom of the hour news, which is about to start. And uh, you can read it for yourself about whether or not it should be disqualifying for Joe Biden. And then follow, uh, follow up by uh, tweeting to me, and I'll read good tweets on the air. Or dial me up at 216-901-0945. It's the Bob France Authority. Back after this. All right, 935, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you joining us this morning. So, as I open the show, if you're on hold, by the way, to talk about the last issue and uh, Joe Biden, creepy Uncle Joe, that's fine. We'll talk to you in a second. But bear with me as I uh, go back to what I led the show off with this morning. So, there are Democrat groups, apparently Democrat groups. We don't have officially, to my knowledge anyway, maybe our guest will, uh, to know exactly who is behind this movement. But uh, there is a proposed constitutional amendment in the state of Ohio to allow the people of Los Angeles and New York City, the coastal elites, if you will, the ones who generally will tip the national popular vote in favor of the progressive liberal candidate. Um the movement to amend the Ohio Constitution would give those people the right to decide who should be the best president or who would be the best president for the state of Ohio, no matter how the state of Ohio felt. That's right. Ohio could vote red to reelect Donald Trump in 2020. But if the national popular vote swayed so heavily by those coastal elites goes for the Democrat candidate, Ohio's electoral votes would be wiped out. They would not that Ohio voted for. They would have to go to the progressive liberal candidate supported by the coasts. That is what we learned yesterday, and that is what uh, our friend Rob Walgate from the American Policy Roundtable from, uh, excuse me, uh, I always mess up your name, Rob, because I always just say AP, and then I try to do it. The AP Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, and the Public Square uh, Radio Broadcast Network. So I want to make sure I get all of your uh, your, uh, uh, job titles and organizations correct there. But Rob, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me, and um, congratulations on your upcoming run coming up next uh, next year. <laughs> that was that was a little bit of fun yesterday. It's amazing to me, and I did it like 
It was around 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, it's pretty, pretty late in the day for an April Fool's joke. How many people are going to fall for this? And the answer was quite a few, believe it or not. <laughs> I kind of figured, uh, I got to figure you, we're just going to go by the boards, but a lot of people had some fun you, with it. So. You and Jim Comey, although many are saying he wasn't joking. So I guess we'll I find did, out. I, you know, I, and the, that's the funny thing about it. I did not see Comey's presidential uh, April Fool's uh, tweet. At the time I did that, I did not even hear about that yesterday until late in the day, even after I did mine. So I wasn't doing the copycat Comey thing. So uh, well, I, did, I didn't figure you wanted to copy him on anything. No, well, not on anything <laughs> at all. All right. So, so Rob Walgate, AP Roundtable, Ohio Roundtable, you are always, always on top of issues relevant to particularly the Ohio Constitution. Whenever somebody wants to amend the Ohio Constitution, um, you, uh, you have a very, very, uh, strong opinion on that. Let me, let me, uh, let me guess. You're probably not going to be supportive of an, an amendment to our Constitution that would essentially give our votes away to the, uh, national, uh, to the, to the uh, popular vote in the national elections. Well, there's been so much misinformation in the studying of history when it comes to the Electoral College. And when you hear people talk about us as a country and the democracy that we are, that, that's not what the founders intended. We're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. And the thought that they wanted 50% of the vote plus one to be the – they had debates over this long ago in the 1700s to discuss why this wasn't going to happen that way. Uh, they were the founders worked hard against this to set up a system to where everyone would have a say and to hear people talk about the need to change so that the president of the United States is determined by a popular vote winner uh, based upon the study of history. I mean, they're just they're just not correct. They're incorrect. And this proposed constitutional amendment would do just that. It would provide all of Ohio's electoral votes to whatever candidate won the national popular vote. And the worst thing about this, Bob, is this would go in the Ohio Constitution. Yeah, that is the worst thing. And I know that's the thing that you probably have a bigger problem rather than the substance of this potential amendment, the fact that they want to change the actual Constitution. This isn't a law that could then just be undone by a new right. legislative body. This is something that would you, you would have to, again, amend the Constitution to get rid of if, uh, if you amend the Constitution to put it in place. In other words, it would be semi-permanent. Yes, it, it, it would be, and that, that creates a big problem. I do have a problem with the substance of it as well. I don't think there's any need for this. Um, I think the system set up, when you look back through history, I believe it's been five times that the national popular vote winner has not won the Electoral College, uh, 2016 obviously, and 2000 being the most recent. So to say this is something that's happening every four years and it needs change and it needs to change now is just, I mean, it's insane to think about on one hand, and on the other hand, you look at it from the perspective and say, well, let's look at 2016. You had a candidate win one state by roughly 4 million votes. That candidate won the popular vote by roughly 3 million votes. So should they be president because they won in one state in a landslide? Because that state has the most, um, I was going to say citizens, but but I will say residents, uh, even though they have the most <laughs> of both. But, well said. Um, so, so should that should that determine the national election? And we feel no. But the interesting thing to take a look at, Bob, is there's two competing groups, if you will, out there doing this. Um, you have one called the National Popular Vote. They call themselves the National Popular Vote. But the one that's doing it in Ohio is yeah. making every vote count. And the CEO of making every vote count is Reed Hunt, and he's the former chairman of the Federal Communications Commission. He is a dear friend of Al Gore, and he's also the CEO of an organization called Coalition for Green Capital. 
that's the name of his coalition. Um, so your listeners can do research on all of those things, but you have to ask yourself the question, why, why would there be two competing groups that are going for the same thing? And I think the answer to that is um, they both want the same thing, but they both want the money in the process. You have George Soros and some of his friends that are with the National Popular Vote Movement and what they've done, Bob, and they've done it in a, a, a number of states around the country. I believe 14 states already, and there's 104 electoral votes. 14 states have said, whoever wins the National Popular Vote, we will give all our electoral votes to once we reach 270. So that's their goal. That's the goal, is to get enough states where it equals 270 to, to agree to do something like this, and then they would say, well, the Electoral College is still in place because we're allowing the states to make the decisions. And some of the usual suspects have signed on, New Jersey, Illinois, New York, California, Maryland. I mean, you can, you, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the goal of these organizations. The national popular vote actually came out in the Cleveland.com article and is opposed to the amendment uh, that is being proposed in Ohio by make every vote count because they their goal is to do it the national popular vote movement is to do it through state legislatures but i think they understand there's probably zero chance of that happening in ohio through the legislature so they want to do it constitutionally what i find uh, hilarious about this rob walgate uh, joining us from uh, the ap roundtable ohio roundtable and the national or the uh, public square uh, uh, radio uh, broadcast network Rob, is uh, they call it make every vote count, and they literally would be discounting the votes of Ohioans. Every Ohioan's vote, if Ohio happened to vote red, as they did in 2016, um, would be invalidated. Our votes would not count. They would then they, they would take, as you pointed out, the results of the national popular vote, which can be very easily skewed by as little as one state, as you pointed out in your four million example, or or maybe a couple of states, or a couple of just really highly populated urban areas in New York City or in uh, Los Angeles, or maybe throw in Chicago and San Francisco. You know, these very specific areas are all going to be very heavily blue. They're going to essentially then invalidate Ohio's votes. How can it make every vote count if Ohioans choose a president and they are then wiped out and the electoral votes go to the opponent? Yeah, there would be no need for state lines when it comes to that. The other thing, I mean, think about um, the drama that's held in some of these local races based on Board of Elections. I mean, how long would it take to certify and verify the results? Uh, in all these different places, that that would be a problem. But one of the things they point to when they look at history is they talk about the Electoral College being set up um, and have something to do with slavery, and that is not the case at all. I mean, slavery is a stained part of American history. It's a terrible thing. No one advocates for it. Everyone talks about how awful of a thing it was and and, and should have never happened. Yes. But to tie it to the Electoral College and to say that's why why it was going that way, because the, the three-fifths discussion that took place when it came to counting the slaves uh, had to do with taxation and congressional representation, and then tying the Electoral College to congressional representation came after that debate and that discussion. And actually, when you, look at, when you study history and look at it, the three-fifths discussion um, was a victory for the North in that in that realm and in that avenue because you would have been given a lot more control um, and had had slaves been counted as, as entire people for 
the purposes of that, and it would have skewed the Electoral College, and it would have skewed many elections. I mean, when you look at the election of Abraham Lincoln, who did not get any votes in the South, uh, he would have not become president had that been set up that way. So, I, I, I mean, again, ter- slavery, awful, terrible, should have never happened. Everyone agrees with that. But people that are incorrectly tying the Electoral College to the history of slavery um, aren't understanding their history and studying it accurately. I um I was under the impression that the three fifths argument was debunked such a long time ago. It, it, as you just very articulately did, uh, you debunked it again. Um, I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed for anybody who is still bringing that up as a reason for a national uh, the abolish, abolishment of the electoral college or the abolition rather of the electoral college and the imposition of just the national the uh, the uh, popular vote. I, is anybody still making that argument today? Oh, after, yes, after it yes, has been so yes. thoroughly debunked, no. The argument is made today, and that's why it's a very important, and I know you do it on your show, it's our goal always to do it on the public square, is to educate and to teach and to talk about history so we can learn it and, and relearn it together, because there's so much misinformation out there. I know that's hard to believe, Bob, that there's misinformation on Facebook and Twitter and other websites. I know that's <laughs> yeah, hard no, to believe. It's crazy, right? but, but But it happens. And then when one line or one headline spouts something off, it takes a lot of time to dive in deep, and it takes a commitment on the part of all of us to go in and look at it and study it, because our goal should always be for true truth. The truth is what we should all be looking for, and when it comes to studying history, especially stuff that happened um, roughly 250 years ago, uh, we, we should all be doing that together. But when you have senators, I mean, you know, I mean, I believe Kristen Gillenbrand tweeted, just earlier this week talking about we need to abolish the electoral college because it's a it's a direct threat to our democracy i'm like wait a minute here where does she get that and what history book is she studying is she reading federalist 68 has she studied the intent of the founders it's just it's mesmerizing to me yeah and me as well and rob last thing before you go i know you're not a pollster but if you had to kind of handicap the odds of something like this getting you know passed uh, by the uh, the people as a referendum to 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 uh to amend the constitution uh what do you think well i don't think it's going to pass in the state of ohio i think there's enough people going to jump on it early I, I hope that people when they're asked to to sign i mean people your listeners are going to be asked to sign petitions all summer long whether it's at ball games or um at the West Side Market or wherever they may be, mm-hmm. this organization needs to get over 400,000 signatures to get it on the ballot. Uh, I don't think we need to vote on this. It, it has no business in the Constitution. So anytime anyone asks you to sign something, I encourage your listeners to ask questions about what it is and, and do the research and, and really be, be aware of that. But I do think we need to keep an eye on and keep talking about um, the National Popular Vote Movement, the Make Every Vote Count Movement, to see where they're at, what they're doing, and to counter the information that they are providing with facts and truth. That's why as soon as this dropped, I texted you right away and say, hey, can I come on and talk about it? And thank you for opening the airwaves and allowing me to do so. They need uh, 400, to be precise, 442,958 valid signatures from at least 44 of Ohio's 88 counties. They can't get them in less than 44 counties and and make that count as well. So, yeah, certainly an uphill climb for them. Certainly not very likely, but uh, it will become less likely if we are are diligent, rather, and if we are vigilant. How about that? Diligent and vigilant at the same time. we got to be both of those things in order to make sure people know, do not sign these uh, petitions to give your vote away uh, to people 
people who do not want you to be able to choose the president based on your um, uh, status as an Ohioan. You would be sacrificing your vote to the will of people in other highly populated areas on coasts that do not care a whit about what we have uh, going on here in the Midwest. Um, Rob Walgate. AP Roundtable. I'm going to make sure I get them all right. American Policy Roundtable, <laughs> American Roundtable Policy, and yep. Public Square Radio Broadcast Network. Did I get yep. all that right? And it, yeah, the American Policy Roundtable, the Public Square. If anyone has any questions or needs additional information, they can find us at thepublicsquare.com or aproundtable.org. Either one of those places you can find us. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a question. I'll be happy to, to answer any way I can. And follow Rob Walgate on Twitter as well. You can get information there at Rob Walgate, just like it sounds. Robert, thank you, my friend. Always great to hear from you. You got it. Thanks, Bob. You got it, Rob Walgate. It's 950 on AM 1420. The answer, I got people on hold. I'm coming to your phone calls directly after the traffic right here on AM 1420. The answer. Good All right, 955, short segment here before the top of the hour. We'll squeeze in as many calls as we can. The first one is going to be from Kirkland. Eric, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, uh, real quick, I wanted to share. My wife and I went to go see Unplanned yesterday. Um, I cannot stress enough for uh, for people to go see that film. Uh, it is a, it's a... It's a thought thought changer, uh, policy or like a policy changer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just shocking to to see it, and and equally so to read a few reviews of the movie. Having just gotten back home from watching the movie, to see the reviews from some leftist groups, um, it's it's a full front attack um, on the unborn, and uh, and I can only imagine it must speak the truth because they were so angry in the reviews. Uh, well, yeah, so they're terrified. I just they're could, terrified couldn't encourage people to see it more. They're terrified of that movie, Eric. You're 100% right because of what you just said. It's a thought changer, a mind changer, a policy changer. Uh, if you are even remotely open-minded and you just you think you know what abortion is all about and you think you uh, you know you believe in the women's health care argument and if you believe in the it's not a baby, it's just a clump of cells argument, it's all exposed. It's all exposed as yep. the giant lie that it is. Planned Parenthood is not in the business of women's health. Planned Parenthood is in the business of selling abortions. It's how they pay their bills. It's how they make their profits. It's how they drive their Mercedes. It is a business that uh, that traffics in killing babies for profit. That is just it. And they are terrified of that movie. That's why yep. uh, these reviews Absolutely. that you're talking about are coming out. Gotcha. Well, God fortunately, bless, Thank you. Fortunately, Eric, thanks for the call. Fortunately, the movie-going public who are seeing the movie disagree. It's at roughly 92% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. And I can't remember the other uh, um, uh, movie-goer uh, 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 poll or whatever you want to call it or survey where they measure those things by, but it was literally 100% of the people who saw it uh, approved of the movie and, 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 and liked it and enjoyed it. And not enjoyed it. It's a weird word to, to use to describe it, but you understand the point. Uh, we're in favor of it. Jan in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jan, go ahead. Oh, hi. You know, uh, that's voter suppression on steroids, uh, what your your guest was talking about. And even before he came on, I, my thinking about the subject was, hey, that sounds like something that Soros money is supporting. And uh, I, I, it's just uh, disgusting to think how those uh, petitions will be so presented in such a positively deceptive 
uh, way that mm-hmm. people will say, oh, yeah, good for Ohio. And well, Jan, I, you're I think, right. It is it is voter suppression. I like your phrasing there. The good news is, though, we, the voters, can stop that voter suppression. We have to make sure we don't sign that petition and get that thing on the ballot uh, to, to amend the Constitution. And if it ever did somehow get 440-plus thousand, we need to make sure to vote again. The only way they can suppress our vote now in the state of Ohio based on this is if we choose to tell them, yes, we don't want our vote to count. Our votes, our electoral votes, will simply go the way of the national popular, popular election. Uh, so we are in control of that. That's the good news, Jan. Thank you. Keith in Amherst. Hi, Keith. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. I, didn't know. I was uh, going to talk about uh, creepy Uncle Joe. Yeah, please. And uh, I, I don't think it, it should disqualify him to, to run for president. As creepy as he is, I, we need him to run. The, everything that, that Trump has has accomplished or, or the, the, when the Republicans, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Republican, I guess, and okay. I'm more conservative than I am uh, Republican, because okay. there is a difference nowadays. But we need him to run, because everything that has happened is a consequence of the left. Trump winning is a consequence of the left. And if we can get that man to say he's running for president, that's what we want. We want someone like that against Trump. I do. I totally agree. I, I would absolutely love to see him run. And the fact is that so you know he's he's enough of a threat to the other Democrats that they're the ones coming out against him. They're the ones saying you know Joe really needs to answer for his inappropriate behavior. Elizabeth Warren and others are really coming down on him because they're afraid of him. To be honest with you, that his uh, popularity among Democrats, um, you know, would would actually make him the nominee. Personally, I think he'd be tailor made for Trump. I totally totally agree. But I'm also just in the business of being honest, and I know that if he were a Republican and we're doing the same kind of handsy, grabby, sniffy, kissy type of uh, things to um, uh, to women, uh, he would be, somebody on Twitter said it this way, he'd be per, a perfect fit for crucifixion from the left and from the media. And that is true. But I would say the same thing about a Republican as I'm about to say about Joe Biden, as I said before. It's creepy and it's weird, but I don't think it should be disqualifying. I just don't. Peter Kersenow joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. After the news, the Bob France Authority back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.